live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings and welcome in. Another week is here, Monday, August 28th, 2023. The uh, the heat wave has given us a break. The football season is about to start. We're about to pack 90,000 people at a volleyball game this week. And so we've got a busy one, and we are ready to go through it with you here on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. I'm Jack Mitchell, along with Caleb Henry in the KLIN studios. Mark Vale is in the KLIN newsroom. Chris Lofkin will be along shortly for time saver traffic. We are starting out your morning at 62 degrees. Beautiful outside right now with partly cloudy skies. We'll get to the past and the future of the weather because both are very interesting right now. Uh, we got a good show for you today. It is the return of Fantasy Huskers. Ooh. Yeah, we're doing yeah. the, uh, yeah, maybe maybe you had kind of forgot about it. I had to be reintroduced to this game that we have made up, and it's changed over the years, but we will uh, be, again, be going back to the way that we played it last year, so you're going to be needing to, if you want to win our prize package, listening at 635 and 810 every show throughout the football season where we will give you a keyword that you can text in, and if you text in, you will be entered for a chance to make the Fantasy Huskers pick that week, and then we play it like we have in the past, where you pick uh, pick out something specific about the game. This week it will be, you get to make your pick on how many points Nebraska scores against Minnesota. So very simple one to start. You'll get the chance, if your keyword is picked, to make that prediction on how many points Nebraska gets, and the closest is going to get a $100 prize pack. Uh, Caleb, who's our prize pack from this year? We have a hundred dollar prize pack, Valentinos, and Alumni Hall, fifty dollar gift hall card does. to both. So same thing you could have won last year. So be listening for that keyword and text in if you want to try and win that hundred dollar prize pack every single week during this football season. We'll get started with that here in about twenty five minutes, and a little bit later in the show, we will talk to Tim Ruza on Nebraska News and Politics. We'll talk to Mike Schaefer as we get ready. He'll be headed to Minnesota a little bit later this week. He is going to be out there for our first Friday Husker tailgate. We'll uh, we'll get him to join us for a little bit, but he'll be in studio the rest of the season for those games on Friday. And the first Friday Husker tailgate, I should point out, will be on a Thursday because of the early game this week. So, yes, we are getting into game week mode in a whole lot of different ways. Right now, we are excited that it's finally here and we finally get an opportunity to see exactly what the Matt Rule era is going to look like for Nebraska football, at least how it's going to start out. And Caleb and I are going to give some thoughts on what we're talking about a few months from now, a little bit later in the show. So that's what we've got on tap for you today. Good morning, Mark Vale. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm a little confused this morning. Why is that? Well, I, I was following up on a tip that I saw, just in one of the sites that I go, and then I went to dictionary.com and thesaurus.com. Uh-oh. And they both say the, the definition of and the substitute synonym for sweep is Husker Volleyball. <laughs> what? I don't understand. They're a big old broom. 
There you go. Nebraska volleyball got things started uh, as expected for the most part. Pulled out sweeps in matches they were expected to sweep. Got a chance to kind of mix and match a lot of the lineups that they may be be trying out here this year. But uh, they did what was expected, so they got the win, and they're getting ready for what's going on on Wednesday, of course, at Memorial Stadium for Volleyball Day in Nebraska, as Matt Rule calls it, Volleyball Day in America. Um, in it, Volleyball Day in America. Yes. Have you checked the forecast? I'd have not. Uh, let's talk a little bit about weather real quickly, oh, because geez. we have a lot to talk about weather-wise. From That was so the, disheartening to see the, some of this. The past and the, the current and the future. To Mark's question, Wednesday is looking good. Sunny, high near 86, southeast wind 3 to 8 miles an hour. Oh, Wednesday night, clear with a low around 63. Winds kick up a little bit in the evening, southeast East winds 9 to 14 miles an hour, gusts as high as 21. Now, for the volleyball players, they probably don't want the wind because it'll blow it around. To me, that makes things more interesting. Right? I mean, like, that's definitely not a. I'm definitely not, like, concerned about that for that's going not to the event. going to be a big factor down there in the North End, is it? I, yeah, it's the. As people who have been on, and, and maybe Caleb can speak to this a little bit, but people who have been on that field, the wind is really. It's really weird. It's swirls. Memorial Stadium, and so it's it's not. You're right, Mark. To your point, it's I mean, not a necessarily a situation where what it's doing outside it, of Memorial Stadium is what it's doing inside Memorial I, Stadium. I've always thought it swirled more when it was a north or northwest wind as opposed to a south or southeast. It could be. Yeah, now, you, you got you got a lot of campus buildings, and of course the South Stadium, and yeah, I don't know. So it'll be the southeast wind, and and it is going to it is going to kick up a little bit right about when that match starts. Gus at about 17 miles an hour at that point. So, But like I said, that's why you play outside is to get in the elements. I we, mean, I mean we, we told Lauren Cook-West what, what the move is. Underhand serve to the sky. Let God do the rest. <laughs> Let God do. Jesus take the wheel of the volleyball. Um, God is my co-pilot. No, right. he's pilot now. Uh, all right. So, yeah, but temperature-wise, I mean, 7 o'clock uh, on Wednesday night, we're looking at 82 degrees. So, you know. And no rain. Great. Yes, and and no no rain scheduled right clear, now. Clear skies. Looking, uh, yeah, vi- clear, uh, sunny going into it, clear during the night. So that's, all, I mean, that's basically as good as you could ask for, probably, I guess, with a little exception of the wind. But like I said, that even, I think that even kind of makes it a little bit more, more fun. Now, let's talk about the rest of the weather. First, let's go backwards, Mark. I went to my, to my mom's house on, uh, on Sunday and said some, I was helping her out with some things. And she emptied her rain gauge, and she said she had five inches in it. And I said, Mom, that cannot be right. That cannot be right. You forgot to empty it earlier. Your rain gauge is broken. I don't know what it is, but we did not get five inches. Now I'm looking at some of the totals that you've got here from Saturday night, and maybe her rain gauge was right. Yeah, uh, it was pretty amazing. And I got these from uh, a meteorologist friend of ours on his Facebook post, uh, except for uh, the first two. Okay. Uh, the 2.23 at the airport, official, yep. and then uh, 2.4 at Casa Vale, 95th and Pine Lake. But the rest of them, yeah, your neighborhood, what, three and a quarter? Somebody got there, three and a quarter. And, and I don't know exactly where 84th and Larson is, but five inches. So they must have had a uh, a little bit of a... Well, my mom lives close to 84th Street, so that's interesting. Oh, that's yeah. more in the northeast part of town, that would okay. be. That'd be but, over by Vine. But, it, you know, it probably just, you know... On that east side of town. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, so, it, and four inches in Crete, so... 
And it's like, totally possible. I must have been out on Friday night because I had I did I had no idea it even really rained at that much. Oh, yeah. And we got four or five inches. Yep. That was one of the most surprising mm-hmm. like uh, apparently gully washers that I just completely missed out on and I had no idea. Well it rained no hard idea. for several hours. Cool. Hey, all right, great. We'll take it. We will absolutely take it. Not a severe storm either, just a nice soaker. Uh and we got that out of the way. So that is the good and and Mark. The other thing is it happened in overnight hours, and yeah. so the air show was fine, right? They they All had days. they had a good weather situation. By the way, I didn't get out there, but I heard I talked to a number of people who did. Um, and it sounds like a good time was had by all. You had to be a little patient, it sounds like, with the entrances and the exits yep. and the traffic, from what couple, I can tell. Couple hour lineup, I guess. Oh, boy. Um, but Kenny's got a bunch of pictures at KLI. I saw some of them on, on uh, Twitter. They're He's got awesome. a fast shutter on his camera. There are some <laughs> yeah. awesome pictures at KLIN.com if you're into pictures of uh, aircraft and, and jets and those sorts of things. Uh, but I'm curious for those of you who went. Uh, how was the experience? How did it all go? What was the best part of the whole thing? Your your uh, your favorite uh, display? Uh, it looked like it looked like a a great time. And again, I talked to tons of people who went who really had a good time as well. But like I said, needed to be a little patient during some of the entrances and exits that went along with it. Now, weather wise, guys, don't look at the extended forecast. I already did. <laughs> You've got to be. I I just realized this last night because National Weather Service in Omaha put out a tweet about it. But they've actually tamped it down a little bit for this week. The well, remainder of this week, but yeah, it's getting to Friday. It's it's basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So the end of this week, the weekend, the beginning of next week, we're going back to the triple digit stuff. Yeah, Labor Day, a hundred, hundred and one on the day after. When we should be going back to school for the first day. Yeah, yeah, well, everyone was like, we shouldn't go to school when it's this hot. We should go after Labor Day. Well, it's going to be the same on Labor Day. So, uh, yeah, we are going to have another round with the triple-digit temperatures or close to triple-digit temperatures and triple-digit heat indexes. And that looks like it's going to be another somewhat extended period, Friday to Monday, maybe Tuesday. It's a little unclear now because it's a ways out, but... You'll have Thursday where you'll have a high in the low 90s, and then Friday you're going to get close to 100, Saturday close to 100, Sunday close to 100, Monday close to 100, uh, and then I'm not even sure what if that, if it keeps going after that or starts to end at that point. But, yes, if you, uh, if, if you loved last week, you're getting another taste of it this coming weekend. So congratulations to all of you. And if you're wondering, I just double-checked, Minneapolis-St. Paul Thursday night clear, then Mostly clear and breezy with a low of 68. Beautiful. All right. So they're uh, going to get good weather for that, too. South winds 15 to 20, gust to 25. Ooh. All right. Maybe as high as 30. Might be affecting the kicking, the passing game, those sorts of things as well. Uh, but yeah, not too bad. Not too bad for that first game of the year. Not too hot and good for, I know we'll probably have a lot of our listeners who are headed up there to watch that game as well. Uh, all right. Any other uh, Mark? We got a couple of minutes here before we're going to have to break for sports. Any well, any non weather headlines that we should, we need? Well, to get yeah, to a couple here? things over the weekend. I had a motorcycle accident last night. Uh, serious condition, non life threatening motorcycle versus van. Cornusker and Yolande, uh, and then a pretty serious uh, injury to a guy that was assaulted uh, early yesterday morning, thirteenth and P. Um, three people jumped out of a car, assaulted the guy, hit him with a closed fist. He fell backwards, hit his head on the concrete. So. Uh, pretty bad uh, condition there. They did. Ha- they do have one person arrested. So, uh, you know that 
but no uh, no other problems uh, really to report. Uh, everything at the air show went off, as far as we know, without a hitch. And uh, at the big 12 Days of Hope blood drive that's uh, underway starting this morning with Lincoln Police, all in honor of uh, Investigator Mario Herrera, who was shot three years ago this past Saturday. So yeah. that's, uh, that's going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're holding LPD uh, police briefing this morning at the event so oh, okay. we'll have some more on that and uh tomorrow night something i know we've talked about uh but they're actually kicking off the uh, first food truck zone tomorrow night 7th and k oh cool that's uh under um k and under rosa parksway okay that'll be nice all right it'll be good interesting i know that's something that a lot of places had been pushing for and to get an opportunity for uh for people for the food trucks to get out in that area without breaking the law. That's so. six to eight p.m. They'll have a few other things going on: half court basketball, skateboarding, um, lawn games, things nice. like that. So, um, and then I should also mention this because this happened after we went off the air on Friday. The state auditor sent a letter to the Lincoln Airport Authority, notifying of it, it that it is going to also be looking into the closure of Redway Airlines. Um, and we'll be looking at doing an audit um, on the ARPA funds that were made available through this whole thing and requested the contract, the auditor's office requested the contract, transaction revenue information related to Redway Airlines. That's in addition to what the airport itself, it looks like, is yes. doing the in airport an audit of, situation. So, airport authority had the right to audit in their agreement. With right way and they have exercised or will exercise that agreement uh they won't have an actual number for august uh, the what the draws were in august until uh, you know the first part of september so don't expect an audit in the next week or two it's going to take a little while to get through that but we'll have multiple eyes that are yes. looking on exactly what happened and you know how financially with this situation and you know uh, the high praise that uh, the state auditor has had in his prior term there yeah. and now yeah. he, he was elected to it again mike foley He's, yeah he uh, he gets at it in his crew they've they've found a lot of they've, they've found a lot of these uh these things, these irregularities that exist. So if, it, I mean, if there was something going on here, and I'm not saying there is, I don't, I, I, I don't know, but if there was something weird going on here, or a, a you know, a, a, a glitch financially to some degree that went into this whole thing, and some are saying, how, you know, look, how could this have even happened this quickly with this much money? It, it it's probably going to be found throughout this oh, whole sure. process now. So we're going to get get some answers about why exactly this went down like it did, which I think is, is probably good given, given the circumstances with which, you know, with which it started and, and stopped and all this money was spent throughout that time uh, without there being much of an opportunity for people to fly very but Although there was, often. I think they couple said, months, 19,000 passengers? Yeah, it was a lot, which that's another question. It, but, I mean. But at very low uh, fares. Right. Right, so you've got that as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's what we've got going on today. Busy day, busy week, and again, Fantasy Oscars starting up. Ten minutes, we're going to have our first keyword for Fantasy Oscars. Be ready to text that in. We'll have another one at 810 this morning. And uh, just looking ahead again, this week's a little bit different. Thursday is going to be your Friday Husker Tailgate show. It's your Friday Husker Tailgate Thursday edition, and then we will be... One of the first ones to jump on on Friday morning and react to whatever happened Thursday night oh, in Minneapolis. Right. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully it is uh, very celebratory. 
It's been a long time since we've been able to do that, especially the day right after a game. So let's get it going here with this football season. Let's take a break right now. We've got 61 degrees in the capital city at 624. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're home for intelligent conversation and informed analysis. They stick to the facts. 1499.3 KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. I totally forgot. It's, I mean, it's been nine months since we've uh, since we've had Mariah join us for Fantasy Huskers, and I forgot the whole butt first thing. But like first. Here, here we are. And how sad I was when it went away. But we are back with Fantasy Huskers. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's been a long time game on KLI, and it's taken some different iterations. And last year, we involved the text line as well, and we are going to do that again this year. So what will happen? Is at 6.35 and 8.10, you'll hear that intro, and we will give you a word, a word to text in. Caleb will give you a word, and then I will attempt to spell it. I think I spelled everyone right last year. Uh, and I think you got one wrong. Did I? Just maybe one. one but we will, uh, we will tell you that, and then you can text that word in. And Caleb, tell me about, uh, help me get the timing right on this. When will people, uh, when will we select our selectors from those people? Who- so the 635 you'll have until 730. And this yeah. is just kind of some back end stuff that where we kind of close off the texting. You'll have until 730. And then the 810 pick we'll have until 835. Okay. And for both of those, you'll know before 840. And you can text in on both of them, absolutely. But we will have our, Winners are our selectors, our qualifiers, messaged before 8.40 so that at the end of the show we can announce what their answers were, their picks. So if you're selected, then you get to make a pick uh, for that week's draft and that week's fantasy draft. And this week's fantasy draft is we're asking you how many points Nebraska scores against Minnesota. Pretty simple. How mm-hmm. many points does Nebraska have on the scoreboard at the game of Minnesota? We'll mix and match these. They'll be a little bit more extensive in future weeks, but that we're just going to keep it simple for the first week on this. And so someone who texts in the keyword now is going to get the first overall pick on uh, on that question. An advantageous spot, especially early in the week. So, Caleb, without any further ado, why don't you tell us what the first keyword is? The first keyword is... 
first. First. F-I-R-S-T. Boom. One for one. One for one. First. So text in the word first right now if you want a shot at making a Fantasy Huskers pick and potentially winning the prize package this year, which is a $50 gift ticket from an alumni hall for some Husker gear and a $50 gift ticket to Valentino's for some pizza. So each week we're going to give away a $100 prize pack combo from Alumni Hall and Valentino's to get you ready for game day for Nebraska football. So thank you so much to Alumni Hall and Valentino's for being a part of this again this year. Great prize pack and a lot of fun throughout the season. And it always gives you a little bit, if you get a pick, gives you a little something extra to cheer for mm-hmm. during the uh during the game. Yeah. So should be fun. If you, uh we'll uh we're not gonna make our full predictions now, Caleb, but what do you think we what do you think first pick is here? What do you think the most popular pick Ooh. or pick range is going to be? I'm gonna say maybe seventeen twenty four. Seventeen twenty four. Get out of my head. What? Literally what when you said what's the range? I was I was like seventeen to twenty four and you go seven <laughs> Don't even do it. Don't even uh, do that's it. That's what I think that I, <laughs> So that's a range. I think you'll probably have seventeen, twenty one, and twenty four, maybe be the first three picks, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the, the most popular <laughs> ones will be here. Caleb and I will officially make our predictions on Thursday on the Friday Husker Tailgate and uh we'll On go. Thursday. Yes, Friday has to get on Thursday. <laughs> really and, weird first week. And also a little bit weird because Mike Schaefer is going to be in Minnesota this week. He will be in studio with us going forward beyond that. And so we may have some special guests joining us. Uh, it'll be just a, a bit different. Everything's a little bit weird because it's on a Thursday, but still we'll be ready to talk some football. We'll do a little bit more of that here coming up here this show as well. But right now it's time to get into the news of the sound off. Shall we do that? So... Let's get started with exactly that. Uh, we will start today in the sound off with, uh, I'm trying to decide here where we're going to begin this whole thing. We'll start here. Oh, yeah, let's let's do this because some interesting comments at the end of this one. We uh, So Russia has now confirmed that uh, Prigozhin, the leader of the, uh, the Wagner group, mm-hmm. Wagner, Wagner, uh, never quite sure how to. It's not German, but I think you still call it Wagner. But anyway, yeah. uh, that of that group uh, that he indeed did lose his life on this in this quote unquote plane crash that happened over uh, in Russian airspace as well, uh, and then made some statements on that, including some directly from Vladimir Putin and. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just kind of interesting to hear, I guess. The committee responsible for looking into the incident explained that forensic testing matched the flight manifest that included Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin and his deputy Dmitry Utkin. Russian officials have collected debris from the crash site, including two black boxes that should include flight data as well as audio recordings from the cockpit. As questions remain about the exact cause of the crash, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov denied any involvement of Russian President Vladimir Putin, calling speculation a complete lie. American officials believe a bomb or similar act of sabotage brought down the business jet, not a surface-to-air missile as originally thought. On Thursday, Russian President Putin sent his condolences to Prigozhin's family, explaining that he'd known him since the early 1990s. The Russian leader added that the former mercenary general made serious mistakes in his life, but got results when asked. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm sure that was very comforting to his family, too. Yeah. to have gotten those condolences directly from Putin himself. Uh, yeah. 
But that, it, it is interesting, though, that there seems to be the thought, the United States believes, at least, that it was not something that was shot down by surface-to-air missiles, uh, but instead but instead, something that was on board. Which I believe it was you that said this, Caleb, uh, perhaps, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong that you said this, but didn't you say something to the effect of if they were going to try and do this like quietly, surface-to-air missiles did not seem like the way to do it? Yeah, they, right? I, they like, absolutely could have done stuff where they were like, we didn't have a hand in right, that. Right, but surface-to-air so it does make a little bit more sense that it was something internal that made it look like a unprompted crash instead yeah. of instead of leaving evidence of actually using the surface to air missiles anti-aircraft missiles <laughs> instead of very visibly right shooting it down mm-hmm. out of the sky yes exactly exactly uh all right other news this morning one of nebraska's border states has become guys the 49th state of 50 only one remains that has not passed a distracted driving law. Yes, Missouri did not have a distracted driving law on the books until just very recently. And uh, now I believe it's only... And it only, showed. Yeah, and now I believe it's only Montana that doesn't have one of these. The state of Missouri's distracted driving law is going to effect today. The Siddons Benning hands-free law is named after 34-year-old Randall Siddons and 46-year-old Michael Benning. Both were killed by distracted drivers. A first-time violation would result in an up to $150 fine. The State Department of Transportation noted in a statement the governor signed the bill after two years in a row of more than 1,000 fatalities on the roadways. The law means no holding your cell while driving to talk or text. The Governor's Highway Safety Association said last year there were nearly 43,000 traffic deaths, an increase of 18% compared to 2019. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Now, so their law is, this is a little bit interesting, because the Missouri law bans drivers from holding a cell phone while driving, holding a cell phone while driving at all. Nebraska's law, the text of the law, prohibits the use of a handheld wireless device to read, write, or send communication while operating a motor vehicle. It is not necessarily a violation to be holding the phone, right? And so... I I can pull up Spotify and run that aux cord, right? (laughs) I I mean, that's what I... I remember talking about this when this first thing came out. Uh, Nebraska law prohibits, yes... Well, handheld wireless device to read, write, or send communication with that. Manually type a written communication or send a written communication while operating a vehicle which is in, in motion. What about FaceTime? Um, well, see, that's the, que- that, that's the question on some of these things. And uh, so, I mean, this takes, this takes some other thing. Handheld wireless device does not include an electronic device that's part of the motor vehicle or permanently attached to the motor vehicle or hands-free wireless communication device. They wrote this before phones had had all of had this. voice stuff, basically, because mm-hmm. this was, what, 20, 2010, updated in 2014, but we just weren't using Siri as much then, or it was just beginning mm-hmm. a little bit, or something like that on your phone, but again, handheld wireless communication device includes, but is not limited to a mobile or cell phone, a text messaging device, a personal digital assistant, a pager, or a laptop. All right, get that off the books. <laughs> or a laptop computer as well. So so I believe, uh, so, so my bottom line, though, is just saying I believe 
it is okay in Nebraska to hold your phone and voice, which I see like for, for me, I have to push a button on my phone just to activate the voice text. Uh-huh. So if I want to text you, I'm sure I've done this. I want to text you when I'm driving, you know, text Caleb Henry. I'll be there at 645, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm holding my phone because you have to hold the button down yeah. to do it. I believe that is legal in Nebraska, but would be illegal in Missouri, according to the letter of the law. Would it be legal to be holding my phone and taking a FaceTime call while driving? Again, here's what it says. No person should use a handheld wireless communication device. You're using a handheld device, communication device, to read a written communication. You're not doing that. Manually type a written communication. Not doing that. Or send a written communication while operating a motor motor vehicle, which is in motion. That sounds like no. But but that again, sounds like be- you're okay because you said 2010. How much were people? How much did any of our phones have the ability FaceTime video communication? Right. Yeah. Like we weren't doing that. Yes. Uh, and I even remember talking about it when when they did this thing. I'm like, this whole technology is going to completely change. Down the year, car t- car technology well, like changes only like five quickly. years later, it had completely Very changed. Quickly. There was an update to it in 2014. I'm trying to see what exactly the change in 2014 was. Um, oh, yeah, they just added some. So they cleaned it up a little bit with some other stuff in 2014. But anyway, interesting stuff. So don't you 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 could have been using a phone in Missouri, but you can't anymore. So there you go. Texting while driving, I guess, technically wasn't even illegal in Missouri. Now it would be. But again, again, I mean, hopefully this is a hopefully this is a problem that becomes less and less of a problem as the years pass mm-hmm. because of, I mean, because of technology that allows you to use your voice, which still can provide some distraction without a doubt, but. Uh, that allows you your vo- or smart devices in cars or eventually cars that drive themselves. And right. You can you can text and nap and watch a movie and <laughs> do all kinds of things with your car. Well, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's also good to keep in mind that just because something's not illegal doesn't make it smart to do. True. Also true. Yes. Um. <laughs> so this is this is a story out of Illinois. It's not local, so I'll mention that first. But it's definitely something that I think. Many of us will be interested in, especially those of us who are interested in the Animal Thunderdome of Lincoln, Nebraska, and what could be happening in the Animal Thunderdomes of other communities. Where in Illinois? Outside of Chicago. Okay. Not far outside of Chicago. But there's a new hybrid out there of coyotes and something. Geese. That... God, that's terrifying. The ultimate predator. That that they are spotting, <laughs> and you've got some people saying, uh, that's a coyote mixed with a wolf. And I am very concerned about this thing being oh, in our neighborhood. next guess was Poodle, but... Yeah. Uh, in Burr Ridge, community members aren't looking for Waldo. Rather, where's the koi wolf? This could be an animal that uh, will act as an animal and, and not be respectful of little children or pets and harm them. Mayor Gary Grasso says his wife laid eyes on the mysterious animal in their own backyard. He said... That is not a coyote. Linda Painter, a DuPage County Forest Preserve Commissioner, says it's more likely another combination. What I've heard of in the past are hybrids of uh, coyotes and German Shepherd dogs. 
and they tend to, because people have their German shepherds in their backyards, the coyote can jump the fence. She says that hybrid, dubbed a koi dog, tends to be bigger than a typical coyote. <laughs> okay, uh, lots to say here at this point, based on that 30-second clip. I thought the concern about coyotes coming into your backyard where your dog is was that they would injure them, not get frisky with them, number one. Okay? Watch out for those puppies on Facebook Marketplace. Number two, number two, a big coyote. Whether, so the wolf thing is obviously very terrifying, but it, I don't know what the temperament of this thing, but a bigger coyote that's half German Shepherd? Yee. I mean, you see that thing, and I'm to the point now that I've seen coyotes walking around my own neighborhood two, three, four, five times in the last Mm -hmm. three years. Uh, Where's the kai doodles? I mean, it's not going to take long until we doodleize those, right? (laughs) Because we doodleize all of them. We doodleize everything. When are we going to doodleize the coyotes? All right, kaya doodle. What's well, got such curly hair? It looks like a teddy bear. Ah, that's my yo doodle. <laughs> my yo doodle. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know. I'm assuming this is not an issue yet in Lincoln, but with as many coyotes around, and I'm sure there's people that have German shepherds. I mean, is it just a matter of time here at this point till uh, we get the coyote sneaking into the backyard where the German shepherd is, and one thing leads to another, and the careless whisper starts playing. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this is interesting here. Let's do this one. So we talk a lot about the home market, it seems like, on, on the sound off. And I'm not just doing it to depress Caleb, but we do talk about it a lot. But the, now the trend is that people still want to buy houses, but uh, it's not obviously not the same home market. And so what do they do? They're buying smaller houses. They're finding new ways to downsize Houses that aren't going to have a huge impact on the way that you live your life. Example. On average, our homes are shrinking. Since 2018, the average size unit for new housing starts is down 10% nationwide. Home builders are choosing to build smaller to help people get through the door of their new home. Here are some other adjustments they're making. They're getting rid of tubs, only showers to save space, and scrapping at times the dining room and or the living room. New homes in Seattle are 18% smaller than they were five years ago. So you could get in a new home, but you might need to buy a new, smaller couch to fit with it. Honestly, honestly, the the two things she noted, bathtub and dining room, are the first two things that could go from my house if I had to get rid of things. We wouldn't, so we use the tub, we have a toddler. That's true. Yeah, and, yeah that's and, true. And I then if our dogs in. are just a muddy, yeah, crappy yeah. mess, they, yeah, that's where that goes. But I personally do not use the tub, though. But, so but for it, me, selfishly, it wouldn't make you. At difference. some point, that all kind of gets phased out, right? Like the, the having to have the tub for the toddler, for yeah. the kid? Yeah, we don't put our kids in the tub anymore. Uh Although my daughter will still use it sometimes, and yes, the dog. Uh, what, what I heard a lot in that clip is more efficient use of space for homes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, we got a we have a dining room, and it's used to it's used to put stuff on the table to store. D- it. Dining rooms are storage right. rooms. Okay? I mean, that's basically what it's what it's become. <laughs> I mean, very occasionally we'll have a special meal in there for a holiday or something like that when we have we're entertaining other people, but in the end. I remember I mean, eating more meals in our kitchen than in our dining room. Uh, the di- dining room. It's ninety nine point nine percent to point 
point one percent for it's us. Like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm like, Guess we'll go out here. It's like maybe two a year versus the rest of the year for us. Um, which maybe we should maybe we should do it differently. Thanksgiving, but. Christmas, and then maybe Easter. Those, yeah, those were the only times we were out there. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it for us. <laughs> Uh, and then oh, let's finish with a couple of entertainment ones here real quick. I'll try and get through these as fast as possible, but, um, uh, uh, sad news from the weekend. I, I honestly, I did not realize Bob Barker was still living. Um, but yeah. he was, and they lived a long, good life. He did pass away over the weekend. Bob Barker's publicist confirmed that he died in his Los Angeles home of natural causes. Barker was a game show host legend. He hosted The Price is Right for over 35 years and won 19 Emmys, five of them for Outstanding Game Show Host. Barker also hosted the Miss USA and Universe pageants from 1967 until 1987. Time Magazine named him the greatest game show host of all time. He produced and hosted The Price is Right until 2007. Barker was born in 1923 in Darrington, Washington. His mother was a school teacher and his father was a foreman that installed the electrical high line throughout the state. Barker enlisted in the U.S. Navy Reserve during World War II. And yes, I saw the joke a million times. He got closest to 100 without going over, dying yep. at the age of 99 with his birthday coming up. Uh, all right, we probably need to grab a yes. break here, don't we? All right, we will do that. 656 is LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Guns toward the end zone, passes, caught, touchdown. Think 1499.3 KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Time saver traffic. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 61 degrees in the capital city. It is 709 on this August 28th, 2023. Game week, match week for Volleyball Day in Nebraska. Game week for Nebraska football. Ready to go, ready to jump in headlong to the fall season. And Caleb, I thought it might be a good time because this seems to be the week that everybody's going to start doing this. And <laughs> they're going to start, go, they're going to throw out their number for this season. And we're going to talk plenty. On Thursday's edition of the Friday Husker Tailgate, about the season coming up and about the uh, the individual game coming up as well. But I thought we would go on record now with our season predictions, so we can so we can brag or either um, 
be made humble throughout the course of the season about and, our accuracy. And we've been humbled for a couple of years. And uh, 100%. And how much of that, of being humbled year after year after year, impacts you in what your expectations, your perception is? Now, before we get into ours, I would like to say that it feels like, and I'm curious if you agree with me or disagree with me, but in talking to fans, as you do, right, just in, in everyday life, online, everything else, it feels like the majority of the fan base, the lion's share of the fan base, would be okay, would be content mm-hmm. getting to six wins and getting to a bowl. Yes. At least that's what they're saying now. Now, as that plays out, I believe as the season plays out and there are disappointments along the way, that feels a little bit different. But I feel like now that's kind of the prevailing sentiment is if it, and there's some, I think, that are even saying saying now that they'd be patient, even if it's five and seven. Right. And that it's going to take a while to build. I still think that feels happen. It feels different if it happens in practice. Well, and it feels different how it happens, and, too. And depending on how it happens. But my overall feeling is that the, the majority of fans are saying in that range of their they what they think is going to happen is that 6-6 six and six situation, or you know maybe give or take, and that's also what they would be content with. Mm. If, if it hits their expectations, largely, and I know there'll be exceptions out there for fans, but largely... Six and six. Do you think is that your experience in yeah. talking to people too? That's that's what I've seen as well. There there's some people that are like, nope, ten wins. That's what they're going to do. And then some other folks that just, man, it's just going to get to two. Yeah, I don't. But yeah. but the majority of people just, hey, we feel good at six. We right. think six is going to happen. But like I said, how how good you feel at six feels different if they're four and zero oh and Michigan's coming to town. Yeah, and you're like, oh. They're four and zero. There's eight games to go. Feels good, and then just squeak out two more. That feels a lot different than they're two and two with Michigan coming, and then they end up at six or three and one. There's a lot of different scenarios, but I still think no matter how you get there, the majority of people are going to feel good about six in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree. I agree, and and maybe you don't. You're listening now, and you're like, ah, they they should improve more than that. And I understand there are going to be some people out there, but we're just sort of generalizing with a fan base in general. Um, And I think I would too. I think I would too. I think that would be perceptible improvement. Um, just when you're taking the, you know, the sky high version uh, view of the record itself, but you've got to have a lot of significant individual improvements within there to get to that six win point, get to a bowl game, have that opportunity to extend the practice season, which I think would be wildly important this season uh-huh. to be able to do that with a bowl game as well. So yeah, I, I I don't know if that's a baseline or not, but that's kind of where I, I seem to, to think that it is. And um, again, I think, Five and seven, six and six, seven and five. That I mean, that's sort of the that's the range, draw, the the peak, right? You've got a little on each side. Those are the second, the second and third most popular uh, predictions are five and seven and seven and five, and the most seems to be six and six. Now, where do we fit in that process? First of all, just on a on a a, a, a kind of a big wide level on this whole thing. Um, I don't know that this team is 
I actually think I'm. I, I think I do know this. I don't think this team probably is as talented overall as last year's team. I think you could probably make a decent argument that last year's team overall is more talented, although that gets difficult to completely evaluate. But right. you, you, I mean, you keep in mind that some of the guys that you lose from last year's team and and Nelson and Trey Palmer. Um, I don't know what the difference between Casey Thompson and Sims is going to be right now, mm-hmm. um, but you've you've got that, and you come in with a team that, at least perception-wise, at the beginning of the preseason, is not getting a, a ton of accolades from the All Big Ten teams of the worlds and the NFL drafts of the world and, and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. There's some, but it's not. I mean, there's kind of a conspicuous absence of Nebraska players there, and maybe a lot of them are going to prove us wrong on a lot of these things, but I at least my perception coming in is, okay, you're dealing with maybe, uh, you know, the same or slightly slightly downgraded talent from where you were last year if you're thinking about this year to year. That said, I'm assuming and hoping you're having a significant uh, better situation when it comes to coaching, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. You fired a coach at the beginning of the year, you went through an interim coach the rest of the year, and you've got Matt Rule and his plan and everything that he's put into this program over the course of nine months as well. So... That should be. Do those cancel each other out for me? Do they? You know, is there is, is there a significant change based on the coaching? I think the jump in the coaching will be bigger than whatever distance there is in talent right now. And so, I I mean, I would hope the reason you change a coach is that those close games, those devastating games that you're losing in the final minutes, that those are games that you're going to start to win. And um, and so I'm that that's what I'm factoring. I think the schedule is beneficial too. So, Especially the front end of the schedule. Front end of the schedule, but yeah, and I, I think as a whole. So, like when I think of the team itself and the unprovenness of this team and so many of the newcomers, I think, eh, don't get too excited. But then I think of the upgrading coaching. I think of the way the schedule looks, and it pushes me the other direction. Yeah, you've got a, a front end of the schedule where it's not a juggernaut of a Minnesota team. You are on the road, but then your three non-conference games are against a completely reworked. Colorado, you've got Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech in there. So you you look at before you get to what is a juggernaut with Michigan, four games that set up very well for Nebraska. So when you start to look at what does a win total look like, that that starts to feel like things are things are in a good position. And then you look across the the rest of the season, you have several games against teams that had coaching changes as well. Mm-hmm. Northwestern's got an interim. Wisconsin's got a new head coach. Purdue's got a new head coach. You beat Iowa last year. They're, they've got the longest tenured coach in the Big Ten, but they're on a weird points-per-game contract thing with their offense, and you don't know if their quarterback's even going to be ready to go. Right. So there, you, you start to see, and then of course Colorado second week with, with Deion Sanders, so you start to see that there's been a lot of turnover in coaching staffs, there's not a lot of quarterbacks back across the entire league for the Big Ten. A lot of transfers. So when yeah, so when you say the schedule sets up well for Nebraska in year one for Matt Rule, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's get down to it. Let's get down to it. And every time that I think about this, I think don't get too don't fall down the trap of being too optimistic with this. Hold and then I go through game by game and it always <laughs> ends up the possibility it ends up better than if I think of it. if I think of it game by game it ends up better than if I do as just a one single 12 games uh-huh. in kind of a, a range that's what happened to me and I will try and be I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and be 
realistic and not overly optimistic about this thing when I do it. You're saying what, eight and four? Well, let, let's just go. To, <laughs> let, let's go through, and you can do it after I do. But um, I'm, I'll say Minnesota's a loss. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I actually wrote mine up, so okay. mine's in print. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give Minnesota a loss, or give Nebraska a loss at Minnesota, even though I don't feel super confident in that. But Minnesota will be favored. It's the first game I can, you know, we'll see. So, And, and I'm going to try and not be too overly optimistic. I'm going to give a win against Colorado. I just think that's, I think Colorado's got a ways to go. Well, do you want us to do them at the, at the same time? Yeah, go you, ahead. Yeah, I also have a loss to Minnesota. Okay. All right. But All I have right. a win against Colorado. All right, so we're the same. We're both at one on one. Yep. Um Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, I imagine we probably both have wins in both of those games. Yes. Again, Nebraska has lost those games in the in the past. You would think that is one of the things that's changed, and you hope that's one of the things that's changed is you do not lose those games that you really really shouldn't lose. Mm-hmm. Where you're a significant favorite and should be in a lot of yep. different ways. Three and one so through the non con. We both got them at three and one with Michigan coming in on September thirtieth. I do not I'm not predicting them to beat Michigan at this point. I'd love it. Get It'd weird, cool. but, It'd be but cool. yeah, it'll be Wolverines. A, hopefully a fun atmosphere. Um then at Illinois on a Friday night, October sixth, three and two going into that one. You giving Nebraska the win on that one? I think Illinois' defense is too good. Um, and, and there are too many question marks for Nebraska's offense. Yeah, I'm going to – this one is a little bit like the Minnesota game, um, but just in, in just trying not to let my heart make these picks, I'll go Illinois on that one too. But that's, I will be astounded if Illinois is not top two in the West. Okay. All right. You heard it here. New quarterback as well there at Illinois. Uh, lost a lot of defense, NFL talent on defense. I'm one of the best defensive linemen in America, though. Three and three. Okay. Northwestern, Nebraska. Get Nebraska on that one. That's in Lincoln on October twenty first. Purdue in Lincoln. Now I think Purdue's gonna Purdue deserves more credit than they're getting for how good they're gonna be. They're gonna be this year. They're kind of buried at the Big Ten West. But bring in Hudson Card, the transfer quarterback from Texas. He could be the best transfer quarterback of the whole batch mm-hmm. here in the Big Ten, possibly. Um, but they do have a new a new coach as well, like Nebraska does, like Wisconsin does. I'm gonna give that to Nebraska. So because this, it's at home. So this is the part where when you do just a, what's the record going to be? And you just throw out the record because you think that's where it's going. But then when you go game by game, this is one of those that I talked myself into yeah. that ultimately flipped a little bit where my final record is. Okay. I ha- I talked myself into Nebraska beating Purdue. Right. Okay. Five and three. Which, if it's if that game was played right now, Nebraska would be a favorite in it. So it's yeah. not, I don't think we're. Be, I mean, which doesn't mean anything. But if you were doing it based on that, Nebraska is probably going to be in a favorite right now. Okay, five and three, five and three at Michigan State. At Michigan State, I took Michigan State. <sighs> And I had some people, by the way, Man, I when, when, when I said, when so I said that and I posted it, people, there's no way Michigan State I mean, beats Nebraska. There, listen, there's a way anything happens. <laughs> there's nothing that would shock me, so I would never say that. Um, See, I feel like, see, and I kind of want to say win here, but I know I'm just going to try and not be too, I'll say Michigan State, even though I don't know if I believe it. Okay. Michigan State. Michigan State, but here's how I'm gonna here's how I'm gonna justify it. Next game is Maryland and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Maryland's, I think, potentially a better team than Michigan State. I agree. And so, really, what I'm saying is they're gonna win one out of those two. 
Yeah, and I have Nebraska beating Maryland. I okay. think I think Maryland have we been exactly the same so far. Yes, yes we, we have. have. All right. And I think Maryland has so much more talent than people realize nationally and within the league because they're buried behind Ohio State, Penn right. State, and Michigan. Right. In reality, I think they get one of those two. Mm-hmm. One of those two. So that puts them at six and four. Yep. At Wisconsin and Iowa finishing. Okay, at Wisconsin, six and four. You're already in a bowl game, by the way, in our scenario. With two to go. With your two biggest rivals coming up to end the season at Wisconsin and Iowa. One would think a pretty decent amount of momentum at that point. And I'll do, you can go through them individually if you want, but I'm giving Nebraska one of these. I guess probably Iowa, although I'm not persuaded by Wisconsin like everyone else is, but they're at home in that game. So I'll say it's Iowa. And that gets Nebraska to seven and five to end the season. One loss, one win in those last two. What about you? I have Nebraska going zero and two in those. But but the giant question mark still remains on that of does Iowa's quarterback Cade McNamara play? If he doesn't, I think it's a it's a rough Black Friday. He'll be okay by then, barring something new happening. Right? Well, they have no one behind him. Yeah, so, I know. But so uh, so whether he's back or. Something new happens that still becomes a giant question mark on Black yeah. Friday, but yeah, I have Nebraska losing those two six and six, and I probably should have see what I what I truly think is going to happen is I think they'll they'll drop one where they're the favorite, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to pull gonna off steal another they're going to pull off an upset somewhere along the way, and I don't know if I really gave them one where they're dropping one where they're the favorite. Um, I don't think I really gave them that, so maybe that's a. Maybe that's a Colorado. Maybe that's a Purdue. Um, something like that. Yeah, don't maybe be Colorado. That's a, maybe that's a Maryland. I don't think it's going to be Colorado. But Purdue or Maryland, maybe at home. One of those two at home, and then six and six. So I am still, I'm still somewhere. If I look at it generally, I'm saying six and six. If I look at it specifically, I'm saying seven and five. When I threw out a number, I kept telling people five and seven. Went game by game, six and six. That's what I'm talking about, about the schedule. <laughs> what do you think? What do you have texted in? We're curious. 402-479-1400. Are you uh, more or less optimistic than we are? Seven to five. I think people would be pretty happy, wouldn't they? I feel really good about that. All right, 725. We'll take a break. Caleb's got a full check of sports coming up next on KLIN. Is your business or organization impacted by the latest severe weather? Let Lincoln know by signing up under the Closings tab at KLIN.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's time to count them down. The 
five things he'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's count things down right now, starting with number five. Concerns expressed to the state auditor's office, and state auditor Mike Foley said they'll uh, explore a $3 million grant given to Redway Airline. It's uh, ending service this week at the airport. In a letter to the Lincoln Airport Authority, uh, Foley said Friday his office is fielding concerns, and out of an abundance of caution, they're going to go ahead and do an audit of how the money was spent and provide accurate information to taxpayers clear up misperceptions about government handling money. So we're going to have two parallel audits going on in this thing, as I understand it? Correct. Yeah. The airport authority had the right to an audit in their agreement with Redway. They've already said they intend to do that. And state auditor Mike Foley is going to do their own. This is a rhetorical question, but what are we looking for exactly here with these what audits? The, what the, well, there were probably limits to what they could spend that money on operationally. And if there was stuff that was just ah. spent that shouldn't have been spent with those funds, in other words, should they have come out of investment, uh, you know, investor funds or some other source, it would be the uh, how those funds were actually spent. Okay. And what was allowed under the agreement. Under the agreement, where they were kind of advances on profits, I thought was the way that they, they sort well, of they described were, them well, initially. They, I don't know if they were advances on profits. Uh, I imagine you could look at it that way, but it was cash flow to allow them to continue to operate since because they were a charter airline as i understand it uh the funds of tickets sold went into escrow until the uh flights were actually completed and they delivered the service and and then the other question is going to be if they get through these and they don't find any you know malfeasance for lack of a better term just in terms of not using the funding in the way that it was intended the next question is okay well who looked at these numbers and thought they were going to work then? Exactly. Right? Right. Or Why was there a thought that this was possible? Where yeah. was the mistake in projecting out? I, the- I think that's that's going to be an interesting, um, an interesting finding. One of the things that I didn't understand that I read about is that under the agreement for the leasing of the airplanes, the aircraft itself, they had to fly so many hours every week or month. And so they were almost forced to fly to some destinations to uh, keep those hours up. To keep those hours up. And my guess is they selected some destinations, either for for whatever reason, landing fees and airport fees may have been a lot cheaper in Austin than they would have been somewhere else. Why they picked Austin, Atlanta, Minneapolis, those were quickly uh, cut out of the schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe they were limited on what they could do to Vegas. Yeah. Those are the types of things because Vegas, Orlando, and I think they said Nashville had had very good uh, ridership. The other right. ones, not so much. And the, uh, and and I guess the mini well, we we got to move on, but the Minnesota one, like Lingy did have a flight to Minnesota too, so that one made sense. That didn't seem odd to me necessarily because mean? they had Lincoln did have a regular flight to Minneapolis before Redway that they that they well, canceled some, some time ago yeah delta yeah, i mean it was not that it was a i used to pick, i used to pick someone up from that flight very frequently we both did <laughs> uh, we all did all right uh all right moving 
Oh, by the way, real quick, the uh, airport authority did release a statement, too, I wanted to mention, uh, basically saying, hey, we got a note on Thursday that the auditor's, state auditor's account is going to be doing this. The audit will ensure transparency, compliance, and efficiency, dot, dot, dot. Uh, that was that theirs uh, was going to do that. Then they said they also got the notice from, Senator, uh, from State Auditor Mike Foley's that they will, too, be continuing audit with respect to Redway. LAA looks forward to cooperating with the state auditor as well as our community partners, the county board, and the Lincoln City Council to coordinate all efforts to ensure a transparent audit process moving forward. So, For what it's worth, that's what the airport authority had to say about this. Moving on. Number four. State Treasurer John Morante confirmed last week he is going to be leaving that office that he was elected to last fall for a second term. He's going to head up the Nebraska Public Employee Retirement System. Now, the speculation coming up Who's Governor Pillard going to appoint for the replacement? And you know, there's some people that say they would like to have that job. Uh, and, a- <laughs> and that could change the uh, makeup of the legislature. There's a lot of people saying, well, I could do that. I'd be interested in that. Because this- Even though it was, Marate wanted a little bit more dough, maybe I would be interested <laughs> in that dough. Well, it's oftentimes a precursor to advancement to a higher office. Yeah, especially here in Nebraska for, some, for whatever reason. But... Uh, Julie Slama says interested in applying, according to the Nebraska Examiner. Uh, Teresa Thibodeau, she says, I think I could do the job well. State Senator Ben Hansen, I'm not saying yes and I'm not saying no. Uh, isn't he a chiropractor? He's a chiropractor, yeah. Uh, I don't think you'd want to take the uh, gut and salary on uh, that one. Uh, let's see. Taylor Royal, he was uh, he was the uh, primary election opposition to John Morante. He's a... Uh, Financial advisor, Marate defeated him in the uh, election in 2018. He says, I'm qualified in considering it. Fremont Mayor Joey Spellerberg says, I have heard from people about it. According to the examiner, another name bandied about online who could be reached to confirm interest, could not be uh, reached to confirm interest with State Senator Bruce Bosselman of Brainerd, farmer with a business background. So... Um, yeah. uh, the most com- this is from the Examiner article. The most common suggestion of potential candidates had no name. A dozen Republicans contacted some variation of "There's probably a guy pillin' nose from Columbus." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, Jane Kleb said that she doesn't expect any high-profile members of her party to apply. I wouldn't either. Yeah, well, because nobody runs for offices at this well, point. I mean, you, you, you got even less chance of getting nominated by Pillin than you do pulling off a, winning an election in Nebraska. And that's saying something. Yeah. And by the way, like, no offense, and this is going to hurt a little bit, but are there any high profile members of her party? Ooh. Yeah, what would you consider that line of high profile I mean, members? Well, let's just knock it right to, to, out of the park because the highest elected Democrat in the state. That's true. Mayor, mayor Larian. Anybody asked her? She want to be the state treasurer? I mean, she and Pillen obviously have had some phone calls. Maybe she could have got a good word in for that at this point. No? Okay. She going to apply for the position to defund the new prison? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, boy. You guys are putting me in a tough position for this afternoon, <laughs> by the way. That's oh, good. that's right. By the way, this afternoon, Governor's Call-In Show, it 2 o'clock, right here on KLIN. Hosted by Mark Vale. <laughs> that's a great point. Thanks for promoting ahead, Mark. <laughs> Number three. 
the heat's coming back. Uh, and yeah. that's that's after the two o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit. First of all, let's talk about the rain totals on Saturday night, which were uh, yeah Saturday night, which were ridiculous. There were. Many people who said their rain gauge had five inches of rain in it. And you didn't believe them. I didn't believe My mom told me that she got five inches of rain, and I told her, you must not have dumped it out. That can't be right. And then Mark read me some of the totals that he had found from people around the city, and she was not the only one. And so I hereby apologize to my mom for not believing her that she got five yeah. inches of rain. In other words, listen to your mom. I guess so. Holy cow, that was a gully washer overnight. Two, I didn't even realize it. 2.4 out at 95th and Pine Lake. Yeah. Uh, Three, three point something about in your neck of the woods, yeah. Fox Hollow, yeah. from a certified meteorologist. It sounds like further east, they got up closer to four and five yeah. uh, around the city. So hopefully that helps things out. That said, Mark, uh, if you loved last week, and we all did weather-wise, <laughs> yeah. the, the long wait to get back to it is almost over because 100-degree heat indexes are coming back next week right now the forecast going forward indicates that by friday we should at be at a high of 97 of course that would go with a heat index that would be over 100 saturday high of 99 heat index over 100 sunday high of 100 heat index obviously over 100 uh and then it looks like into monday even as well and i'm not even sure how far out this is going to go but yeah we got another we got another round with the heat coming up next Friday. Now, the next few days look nice. 88 today, right? 88 tomorrow. Wednesday night looks really good for the volleyball game. 86. Maybe a little wind, but other than that, sunny. No precipitation expected. Uh, but once we get through that, it's pretty It's pretty unbelievable. We're going to be right back up there here in, think the in September. The seasons are getting a little later. Things are, things are changing. Things are changing. All right. So there you go. Be ready for that this weekend. Uh, if you're going to be outside, it might not be too pleasant for you. Number two. Speaking of temperatures, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, looked at a study that was looking at the ideal sleep temperature. As they say, 35% of U.S. adults don't get enough sleep. Yeah. Experts want to know why. The study was published in the journal Science of the Total Environment. They say the ideal Temperature uh, for efficient, restful sleep for older adults, 68 to 77. <laughs> well, okay, that's not that helpful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a large range. I mean, when we're talking about the, that is basically the, the range of temperatures most people have their house set on. So, okay, well, that's good. Don't set my thermostat to 84. Thanks a lot. Center for uh, Disease Control and Prevention, uh, or no, Journal of Science of the Total Environment. The uh, five. Oh, and they say avoid drinking caffeine late in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and alcohol before you go to bed. Yes, uh, five to ten percent drop in sleep efficiency as ambient temperature increased from seventy-seven to eighty-six. Okay, do we really, do we really need a, a, a medical journal or science journal to be giving that information? That was not. I thought we were getting some kind of like. This is the magic number, 71.2 or something like that. Instead, they give us an 11-degree range. Come on. I've got one of those. Nine-degree uh, range? Sleep number, heating, cooling, yeah, how's that top, toppers. Well, it's it's interesting because you can be ambient temperature, 2 degrees, warmer or cooler, or 4 degrees, warmer or cooler. 
and yeah. I always go with four degrees cooler. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm always going cooler, even in even in winter. Even, I'm always going even cooler. even if I have to cover up, it gets a little chill. I want I want to make myself cool enough that I want to cover up. Yep, that's that is the perfect sleep situation for me. But anyway, guys. If you're going to sleep, make sure you do it somewhere between 50 and 90 degrees. That's the area that you temperature-wise where you want to sleep. So make sure you get in that range. If you want to be a mission. Number one. Yeah, exactly. Final three uh, UNL football players turned single-digit jerseys have been announced. Quentin Newsom, number six. Defensive back Deshaun Singleton, number eight. Defensive lineman Ty Robinson, number nine. A lot of those single digits on defense, Caleb. Yeah, and I, th- I think a part of that when you look at that the offense on the offensive line, you have five out the gate that aren't even eligible, even though Ethan Piper gets an honorary one. So that eliminates half of your offense. But I would have expected to have gotten one of those running backs yeah, in no there. Running backs. And, and Nebraska has had some tight ends that's in the past, at least that it seemed like they've been worthy. How much did how much has Fedoni come on? Borkercher in there. You've got the and now here's the other thing about your two on offense, because you, you only have two on offense that have single digit jerseys: mm-hmm. your quarterback Jeff Sims and your and one of your wideouts in Billy Kemp the fourth. They're both transfers, right? On the offensive side of the ball, the only two that will be wearing single digit numbers were transfers, first year guys to here in Lincoln. Some of this might also speak to: is there there a lot of leadership and a lot of a lot of returning talent? On the defensive side of the ball, and that's probably what's going to be your strength this year? I think so. Right. Yeah. Uh, by my math, probably seven of the 11 starters, well, one of them might come off the bench. Six or seven of the starting defense are going to have single-digit numbers. Yep. That's going to look wild out there. Yeah. Almost like a seven-on-seven seven game with just so many single-digit guys yeah. on that side of the ball. All right, there you go. That is it for your morning drive today. That is presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Got Tim Haruza coming up here in just a little bit. A lot to talk about with him from the prison to the airport to the uh, the state jobs that are going on. Uh, right now, the discussion that we just had as well about the state uh, treasurer's office. A uh, lot to get to. So we will do that with him. We got Mike Schaefer coming up shortly after that as well during the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, 63 degrees in the capital city. You are listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Boy, Nebraska. Bitch yourselves. What a rally. The Huskers poured it on. It's 11-4 in the first. Think. 1,499-3. KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1,499-3. KLIN. All right, 63 degrees in the capital city. Going to get to a high today in the uh, in the 80s. Not too bad. Coming up during the 8 o'clock hour, as I was telling you earlier, not only Tim Herza and Mike Schaefer, but if you missed it earlier, we started Fantasy Huskers again. So we've got a Fantasy Huskers keyword coming up for you at 810. And we got our first can, pick is in. We got our first pick is in. We'll tell you about that. Uh, we'll tell you how it works if you're new to Fantasy Huskers, but be listening for that word to text in and get yourself a Fantasy Huskers pick. Maybe a $100 prize pack this week and every other week this year. It's 8 o'clock now on KLIN Lincoln. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, yeah, we say goodbye to Diamond Rio for a few months. I forgot when we did that last year. It was very, very hard uh, on Mondays. But playing Fantasy Oscars again, here's how it works if you haven't played before. Uh, on mo- on uh, every day, we give you a keyword at 635 and 810. Then you, if you choose to play, you can text that keyword in to us at 402-479-1400 just to prove that you are listening. Of those people who text the keyword in twice a morning, we are going to pick one person who is granted a Fantasy Oscars pick. That pick this week is just a guess, essentially, on predicting what's going to happen in the game. We are just asking you this week to predict how many points Nebraska gets. So we have one picker already, the first pick. Gryffindor, Steph says 19 points. 19. Okay. She took that window and said, I'm going to do a weird number in it. All right. So (laughs) you could get the next pick, but if you want the next pick, you got to text in as many times as you can. Not as many times with the same text, but as many times at 635 and 810 as you can get new keywords and uh, be a part of it. And you'll get a a pick, we would hope, at some point, and maybe a win, which would mean 50 bucks. Uh, fifty bucks to uh, Alumni Hall and fifty bucks to Valentino, there so a hundred dollar prize package. And our keyword right now, the keyword right now, what you got to tell you, Minneapolis, mini M I N N E A P O L I S. There it is, two for two. All right, text that in. Make sure you spell it right because we have a we have AI picking through uh picking through. It's a very quick. expansive very, system. Yeah. All right, let's talk to Tim Herzen now. Uh, good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm okay, Jack. You know. Folks talk about pumpkin spice latte season as like kind of the signal that fall has arrived. But for me, it is always Mariah Carey. So. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> not not the queen Monday of Christmas. Morning, and I'm hearing Mariah Carey. I know that it is fall time and football is around the corner. That's hilarious. Yeah, Caleb's right. The queen of Christmas is uh, is Tim's sign that fall is here. Uh, okay, that's great. No, I agree. I agree. Same, same thing for me. Uh, Tim, glad to have you on. Man, it has been a crazy seven days since we last talked in terms of the things going on really about 10 days really starting off with the jail two thursdays ago and everything that's going on so let's let's hit as many things as we can right now the reaction to the location of the jail uh, i think has been pretty significant in lincoln and you know i can't speak for everybody but i've heard a lot of um a lot of people in particular say that that location is just doesn't make sense isn't a good one for lincoln but it's something that the state can do. We also heard that there might have been discussions with the state and the city going back where the state wanted to buy some city land. Where it was, we don't know exactly, but the city said no, at least in 
some hopes that they weren't going to have a jail in Lincoln, but that still happened anyway. Do you think there is some chance of this location and this process being revisited here, or is the train all the way down the track on this thing already? Uh, that's an interesting question, and I, I I would tell you that I don't think that until until you see Earth being moved and stuff like that happening, I would say that there's always a chance, and I don't say that to like get anybody's hopes up. Um, so if you're, you know, right. Uh, if you're hoping that like, I know something, I think the answer is no, I, I have no idea, um, whether there's a chance that they could move it. But I do think that it seems very clear to me in the aftermath of the announcement that a lot of people were taken by surprise. I think there are a lot of conversations that have been being had, um, among, you know, state senators and city officials and, representatives of the governor's office, and I'm sure people with corrections and with consultants about, you know, changes or potential options for what they could do differently. But I can tell you also that I've, I've heard nobody say, yes, there's a plan and this is how it's going to change. So I think for now, but you know, all in all of the intentions from the governor's office and making the announcement are moving forward. And then you just, it's what's also hard with these announcements, Jack, too, is that, they make an announcement and they put up a nice map with like the, on a poster board in front of everybody. There's nothing going to happen for a while yet. I mean, I, there's still some hoops that you got to jump through before you actually break ground and do it. So um, I think there's always a chance that it moves, but I have, I have not heard anything, you know, confirming or confident that that's going to happen. Well, well, let me, let, let me ask you about your perception of the reaction in Lincoln. Then do you have the same perception that I do that it's been pretty overwhelmingly negative, or maybe I've just been talking to people who tend to feel that way. And maybe there's a lot of people who don't care or feel opposite on that. No, I think the general sentiment is that that's a bad location. So I, I do think that as people have had some time to think about it, I, I feel like the conversations I've had with folks, in the real estate development world, in the policymaking world, in just kind of general people I know that aren't involved in any of it that are like, well, oh, prison over there. Um, I think the, re- the gut reaction or the visceral response of, no, this is horrible, I think it started to slow down. And I'm seeing more people who are like, yeah, Lincoln makes some sense, but like that place or that location is is pretty bad for us. So I I do think that folks have come around to like the knee jerk, Hey, any prison in Lincoln is a bad idea. And and that's kind of subsided a little bit. There's a lot of folks that I, you know, keep coming back to like, Hey, that's, that's high growth right on the interstate corridor where, you know, Lincoln homes and businesses have grown over several, you know, not, not even a decade or so. Like since, since I've been in Lincoln the last eight or nine years, Jack, that place has just exploded. Right, um, and I think a lot of people see that 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 is a bit problematic, um, but it is also unclear of like what what's the better location that can work. Right, right? does uh, does it exist? That last right. part that 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 fits that works for what they need in terms of utilities and all of those things, and then also that can be made available and built upon. Un- until we have the city and the state saying more than they are right now, it is going to be hard, at least for me and maybe for others. To not have a perception that is, okay, the state contacted the city about a plot of land that might work well, and the city, and the, and by the way, all of this with p- big political differences between the two leaderships, um, and the city says, uh, no, we're n- we're not giving you that. We're not going to make this easy for you to put a jail in Lincoln, um, and so we're not going to play ball on that. And the state says, okay, fine, 
you won't give us your ball to play. We'll get our own ball and maybe one that you don't want us to use. And we're going to go forward with that since you said no to us the first time. And like, there's, there's just a part of me that thinks, okay, that you're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to have two sides that tend to be opposed politically, sit down and put that aside and actually hammer this out for the best interests of both the state and the city for this actually to work. And I don't know if that'll, and, and it goes to my first question I asked you, I don't know if that's actually going to happen at any point, but that, I mean, that is what's filling the vacuum. That turn that um, timeline of events is what's filling my head right now when we don't have more of an explanation. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Jack. I'm a little less concerned about the diametrically opposed policy positions, with the exception of, like, it is dealing with corrections and sort of like, um, the the policy or the politics that surround corrections reform versus construction of new facilities and larger facilities. So maybe there is some political pressure on kind of not engaging or not assisting the state in making it easy for them to build a new prison, which isn't necessarily popular among folks on the left in the legislature versus folks on the right. So maybe there is some of that going on. Well, they do have a lot of confidence that the Pillen administration and and the Gaylord Baird administration do want to do what's best for the city. So if you're you're faced with a choice here, <laughs> I think you sit down and you make something work. And then I'd also tell you too, Jack, that it doesn't take a lot of like doesn't take a lot of work to sit down at the at the computer and pull up the GIS map and kind of search for city properties and see what's out there that's, that's not true. built upon or that could be built upon um, in some locations. And there's some things about that are that are attractive that the city owns. So I. I, I do think that there are conversations that can happen, right, or that should happen. So yeah, yeah. hopefully they'll find and, something better. Because now it's not about like, are you assisting in cor- like a corrections reform or sort of thing to like, what what do we got to do to make this well, best for the city? And I was less saying that there is a specific policy issue related to this decision sure, that they disagree sure. on. I kind of just, you know, what I kind of meant. They just don't really like each other. Is kind of what I meant. <laughs> sure. Just yeah. to be a little, put a little finer point on it. Um. <laughs> Hey, okay, let's uh, let, let's shift gears real quick. We'll, I mean, we'll put a pin in that. There's obviously a lot, maybe a lot yet to happen with that whole thing, uh, man. And then there's this Redway thing, Tim, um, and th- yeah. this thing not going well. And we already have two audits. The airport authority and the state auditor's um, office are going to be looking into what happened exactly. Uh, I, I guess what's what's your thought when you hear that audits are going to be completed that quickly after this thing is over right away? What does that what does that tell to you about what is at least suspected or what people are thinking when they saw this? Well, I mean, it tells me what what is pretty obvious about it, which are there's a lot of questions about who is operating this thing and how, right? So, I mean, I know folks kind of point. I've seen a I've seen a number of takes on social media about. You know, whether or not you look to the airport or the county or the city and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, there's like one company that came in operating an airline and made it two and a half months. Like, got a lot of questions about what was <laughs> what's going on there. And I think I think that the auditor getting involved, I think that the, the comments from the airport authority saying, hey, you know, we're going to cooperate to figure out what exactly happened here. At least we at least need to know what was going on, because I do think. And I didn't get the opportunity to fly on Redway, but I do think that, like, the community was pretty excited about it. And I think that this is the, I don't know if this is exactly the type of service, but the fact that the question about do we need more service has never been answered more directly than the excitement that surrounded it, right? Yeah. So 
people people really do want to be able to get places and get connected to to locations and I get do. connected yeah. to service. And I and so you take a you take a chance or you have this redway opportunity comes in, somebody comes in and sells you on an option and an opportunity and says this will work and here's how we do it. It makes it two months, three months. Um, at some point you gotta ask how it was operated and at the end of the day, the elected officials in our community aren't the ones running the airplanes, right? So yeah. how in the world they're doing it um, like that and with with that much of a loss that quickly is is what's shocking. And I think that's where you get the whole, you know, a lot of people wondering what was going on operationally right. for that company behind the scenes that they couldn't make it work when they were, you know, they were kind of handed an opportunity to do something and they came in and told folks they could do it and, and it didn't. So. Uh, I think those are the kind of the questions, and, I, and if nothing else, Jack, this experiment really did demonstrate that Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincolnites, folks from Lincoln, Nebraskans that can get to Lincoln want to be connected to other places. And so, if I'm the airport authority, I'm back at the drawing board right away, figuring out like what's the next step to make sure that the Lincoln Airport continues to grow. Yeah, um, because you saw a lot of good things come out of this. It just wasn't the right fit, I don't think. Well, yeah. it wasn't operated the right way by the folks who own it. It'll be interesting if the audit doesn't really come up with anything significant that was, you know, where where money from the ARPA funds was used in places that it shouldn't be or, you know, whether whatever, whatever those things that you're looking for in an audit. Because then the next question is going to be like, okay, well, who was crunching these numbers and thought that this had the potential of working when it when it didn't, right? When the numbers just didn't add up between all of these things. Yeah, I do want to be clear. Like, I don't suggest that anybody do anything fishy. I mean, you never know. Well, yeah, you don't. I, I mean, I don't think who knows? anything that indicates that. It's just there's a lot of questions of like, why, why wasn't there? And not to use intentionally use a pun, but why wasn't there a longer runway on this thing? And I think a lot of people thought there would be. Right. Um, right. That it would go for several months before you find out if it was a make or break thing. Yeah. Uh, and then. Yeah, and that very last question for you is we have about a minute or so left here. Uh, apparently, everybody uh, wants to be the, the state treasurer. Well, not everybody, but Nebraska Examiner put out a piece that talked to like four or five state legislators, as a, and including non-state legislators as well, and it seemed like there were a lot of people who were very interested in this office. I guess that happens frequently, but when a state office like this comes open for appointment, but, you know, it, it would it would likely be a, a position for a state legislature where the governor would appo- just appoint someone else to sit in that seat. But there's people who have been kind of movers and shakers in the legislature over the last few years that were mentioned. Uh, Julie Slama, uh, Hanson, uh, Thibodeau in the past, and, and some of the others as well. What do you make of the interest in this office? Well, it's a it's an interesting opportunity if you're a politician who um, feels very comfortable or wants to stick around for a while, right? You got an opportunity to fill what three years, three and a half years uh, of a term. I think the the article I read suggests that it's not up for reelection until 2026. Then um, that you get to serve out the remainder of, of time, and then you're 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 not running for reelection for three years, and you get some time in office to do some things and establish yourself as a true yeah. incumbent, as opposed to like what we've seen in the past where some folks in the legislature get appointed and then they got to run right away in a year yeah. or two. Um, it's kind of a different, different approach to it. Plus it's, it's an elevation to a constitutional officer's position. We have very few of those in the state of Nebraska. Um, there usually is a pretty decent little bench or a waiting list, right. To get into those, particularly in the wake of term limits. So I, I'm not surprised that people are interested in it. The treasurer's office office does some cool things for Nebraskans. Um, 
Treasure Moranti kind of expanded the scope on a couple of different things that they're doing. They they manage the net um, account for the state. They do uh, the unclaimed property stuff, which I know um, former Treasurer Stenberg had pushed for years, and Moranti mm-hmm. continues. So, like, they do some good services for Nebraskans. Um, they do manage, obviously, the money for the state. It's a good opportunity to do something and to get yourself... Yep. You want to be elected to serve in a different way at that higher level. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that people are interested. I'm surprised so many people went on the record <laughs> about their interest. Yeah, that's true. Like, usually it's like, ah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, right? You just yeah. tell the reporter. Or, right. If you are making news behind the scenes. Yeah. But I suppose a lot of people want an opportunity at the seat, So. All right. Uh, great insight, Tim. We appreciate it. We'll, t- we'll see what's happening a week from now, and we'll discuss it once again. And we appreciate your time. Talk to you again soon. Take care, Jack. There you go. Tim Urza. It's 826 on KLIN. Join the conversation and stay in the know. We need to prevent gun violence like the shootings in Texas. KLIN. Lincoln. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 65 degrees in the capital city, and it is game week for Nebraska football finally here. And Mike Schaefer joining us from Husker 24-7 also uh, joins us throughout the year on the Friday Husker tailgate. He'll join us by phone uh, as he is uh, going to be up in Minneapolis for the game on Thursday. So join us for a bit of the show on phone, on the phone Thursday and then back in studio with us for Fridays the rest of the season. Mike, are you, uh, are you ready to head out to Minneapolis? Are you, you're going to cover the game, but how excited are you to actually get the season started here? Yeah, but I'm... I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, there's only so many ways that you can sort of politely say that you don't know what the team is going to look like. <laughs> this is sort of what you think the team might look like. So, no kidding. That's uh, a great point. <laughs> so, you know, like, it, it, the, the thing is, like, we're all going to get our eyes on it at the same time. And even the coaches, like, there's really no substitute for what it's like when the game actually counts and matters. And so there's a lot of learning that it's going to take place on Thursday. Um, and then a ton of overreactions that will take place on Friday. I don't know which one I am more excited for, probably the learning, but uh, right. I know Friday is going to be peppered with a lot, a lot of hot takes, a lot of people who cannot wait to get their opinion out there one way or the other based on what they saw Thursday night. But it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm glad the season's back. It would be nice to, uh, to get the Matt Rule era started. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, it. It is, it's interesting. You said something interesting there that the uh, even the coaches might be kind of waiting to see what they have exactly, uh, which is a good point and makes me take with a grain of salt. You know, you've always got people who you probably hear from people who say, hey, I heard from this people who's seeing the practices and they tell you this about the team and all of those things. Like, 
I don't even know how much a coach knows when they watch their own team practice against each other for an entire fall camp and beyond if they even have any idea of how good they are at that point, right? I mean, obviously you've got some idea. You've seen a lot of football. These coaches have seen a lot of football, and they've got a good sense of it. But I think you're probably right, is they don't totally know either, even if you've been watching all of the practices. Well, and, you know, for especially in a situation like this where it's not like there's been a couple of years of building to what they actually are. It's, yeah. it's been an off season of learning a new uh, new system and a new coaching staff and a new style, and they're learning about these players and, and everything else. So it's, it's certainly going to be interesting on, on Thursday. And I think part of it for me, um, you know, I, I was asked this on the message board actually yesterday, and part of it for me is the, the idea that this season is really about Nebraska learning how to to win, learning how to win when it's uncomfortable, learning, you know, how to play in critical situations. But there's a lot of value that can come out of Thursday if that game, you know, forces Nebraska to have to learn how to to play close. And I think it will. I I think we're going to see a close game. Yeah, there's just been so much psychoanalyzing of everything, you know, Rule and the other coaches say and how, you know, if they know how good or not good they're going to be. I I mean – I think in every season you just you never know you never have a super great handle on Agreed. it. Sometimes you might, but I I don't think it's even worth delving too much. And even if they think they know, they might not at this point. Um, so I'm curious. There are, as you said, and I'm the same place as you. When people ask, well, you know, at the grocery store anywhere, well, how are they going to be this year? My true answer is I don't know. Like I think you were alluding to earlier, and that's just because so many of the un- the players um, are kind of unknowns they either are new here they're new in general to college football uh or they're you know they had a significant time off before they last played they'll be putting in a totally new role and there's so much of that that i honestly don't know and then i on top of that i don't know what the impact of the new coaching staff is going to be so i honestly don't i don't know we caleb and i went through and made predictions but i feel very low confidence in in what i made there what questions when we come out of the game saturday what questions do you think are you most looking forward to I guess having answered that you can't necessarily have answered by virtue of seeing some of practice and hearing a little bit from coaches and players during the fall, and you kind of need a game to get a better sense of. I I certainly think we're going to get a better feel for what the actual 3-3-5 of Tony White is. I mean, you know, so much of it is, can this stop the run? Can they, you know, get necessary tackles for a loss? Or, or, you know, how is this going to hold up against a Big Ten running game? We're going to get an answer on that pretty quickly. And so um, I'm, I'm excited for that. I. I see a lot of veterans in Nebraska's defense, and part of why I feel relatively comfortable about their ability to, to go out and win somewhere between six and seven games this year is uh, that defense. I mean, I, they have players that are, are good players. They have talent on this roster. I think everybody would agree they've underachieved, and so now it's just a matter of playing to their talent level, and if this coaching staff can bring that out of them, and if their style allows it to be confusing, I think that defense could show pretty quickly like why there's there's some optimism. So I think we're going to learn real quickly more about the defense than we will with the offense. I think with the the Jeff Sims, with the, the running yeah. game, with the offensive line, I know this is going to be hard. I think we're going to have to be really patient. Like I think we're weeks away from knowing what the offense is capable of doing, um, whereas the defense, I think, could pick up pretty quickly. So I, that's where I think the takes are going to come in because yeah. if it looks bad on Thursday, that's okay. Like they're they're just getting their feet wet with a whole new group, whereas the defense has a lot of returning pieces. Like it's not the same, and it shouldn't be treated the same. And yet it will be a hundred percent treated the same. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, but and, and to your point, though, and for me, and probably for a lot of people, uh, that Jeff Sims, you know, what Jeff Sims looks like. I, I've seen highlights. I've seen, you know, at Georgia Tech, I've seen practice footage. I've seen those sorts of things, but I still very much feel like I don't know who he is in this system. And just getting a sense of that, I think, will be one of the most interesting things. And like you say, maybe that will change from now to the middle of the year at this point. But finally, just having more of a feel, more of a feel somewhat of what this offense is, is I think something that a little, with the caveats that you threw in there, that's still going to be really interesting to me because I feel like I know less about this offense than I know going into almost any year. Yeah, and I I mean, I I think everybody's right there with you, including probably Marcus Satterfield to a degree because I think they have an idea of what they want to do, and I believe that's to, to really sort of run the football and and play the field position game as much as they can, incorporate multiple tight ends, go to some big sets, things like that. But until you actually see it and you see it in practice, I mean, they they might get into a situation where they're not able to execute what they want to run, so they're going to have to, to kind of, you know, pick a play and see if they can get out of trouble that way. So it's going to be a, a big learning curve for, for Marcus Satterfield, too, just to see what that, that line is capable of giving. I mean, if you're getting yards to run, he might just, they might come out and run 70% of the time. So it just, it, it's going to be a lot of like learning and then sort of flushing and then relearning the next week and, and everything else. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's nice to actually be here in game week. The other thing that I'm wondering about is if and when that moment comes that Nebraska fans are all too familiar with. And you can list off what a bunch of them have been over the last few years. The the one that is biggest in my mind is Iowa blocking a punt in Lincoln two years ago when Nebraska was still ahead. Heck, you could have said an onside kick against Northwestern. But whenever that moment comes in the game, and we all know exactly where it is, I think as fans, we're like, there it is. There it is. That's the point where things are going to go south. If that comes and it is overcome, I think that might do for this more for this fan base and and this team probably's confidence than anything else possibly good. Like I, there there's a part of me. I mean, sure, any win would be great, but man, if they could get a win where they overcome adversity at the end or even come back, I that is going to be so. It is going to feel so foreign at at this point. And I know there were games, right? I know at Rutgers they they kind of came back last year, but this would be a, a different feeling like that and one that this program just. It just really hasn't felt in a big game at all. Yeah, it, it you know, some of it is it'd just be nice if Nebraska started a season off one and oh. That in itself, like it, it, people people joke about false confidence. You know who hasn't had false confidence? Nebraska's uh football and basketball teams the last five years. Like they, they haven't had an opportunity to build false confidence because they get beat down by the world yeah. in the first month of their season. So then there's no real you know, you don't even have things to build off in that sense. So it'd be it'd be great for them, whether it's you know with adversity or not. It'd be great to just have something to start off with, you know, unblemished. And I think there's something mentally to that. But I, I 100% agree with you. A, a big curiosity is going to be how do they handle critical situations? Right. You know, it's third and short. Are they going to get an offensive line that can band together to move the defense back three yards so they can get two? Or whatever it needs to be. So I mean, it's uh, it, there's there's a lot that goes into that. But if they can win in some of those critical situations on Thursday, uh, that would help. I think make people feel a little bit better about their ability to adapt and to handle uh, when they've got to adjust and and 
you know, do everything else. Yeah, I hate to oversimplify it, but I feel like the biggest, in making a coaching change, the biggest thing you were looking for was composure in those situations that you haven't had for years. Yeah, I mean, I just mean, steady guys that are going to go make a play. Like, I, I think so much of, of what feels like the last five years has been is everybody looking around waiting for someone else to step up mm-hmm. or everyone counting on, on the quarterback to have to be Superman to make things happen. And mm-hmm. if they can get out of either or both of those mentalities, the long-term outlook for the program is way up. I'm curious uh, what your what your thought on Minnesota is. Um, I know we all have kind of a tendency to just sort of stereotype teams in the Big Ten and just assume, you know, there they are what they were five years ago, right? And that's that's who Wisconsin is. That's who Minnesota is. That's who Iowa is. And there's some truth to that, I think. But personnel's changing. The teams change from year to year. Some of these teams have up years and some of them have down years. It's not like they are truly the same thing every year. I guess when I look, I'm curious what your take. I'll, I'll give mine and, and see what you think. I mean, I see a tight first thing I see is a tight end that is going to be a nightmare um, to to play defense against here at this point, and that is you know it's hard not to think that that's not been a problem for Nebraska defenses in the past. I don't know if that translates. Um, you know, you've got a typical Big Ten West quarterback doesn't feel like he's going to destroy you with the arm, but you got to avoid giving the big play up against him. You don't have necessarily the bell cow running back. You got transfers in. You got a bunch of West Virginia, well, West Western Michigan skill players that are in. You don't know a lot about at this. You don't maybe necessarily have like the top NFL caliber wide receivers that Minnesota has had in the past. That's just sort of off the top of my head for for uh, for me. What is your perception of this Minnesota team? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is there's always the conversation about what Nebraska is going to look like and and what they're going to do and how effective that offense is going to be. The same questions exist for Minnesota. I mean, they don't have Tanner Morgan graduated from his seven-year track or whatever he had been on, uh, and so he's no longer the quarterback at at Minnesota anymore. And I know that Nebraska fans are familiar with Ethan Calicmanis because he came in at halftime and and lit up Memorial Stadium for a little bit there. But I – I just think that, you know, Minnesota's history is they start relatively slow. They're a pretty conservative offense by nature. I think they're going to try to work in a two-running back attack until they really can develop which one is going to be kind of a lead guy there. And it's just going to be, a, uh, I think, war of attrition. I think Nebraska's defense is going to have to prove that it can hold up against uh, a running attack that's going to go right at it. They're going to try to set up for those play-action passes. We've known this about uh, P.J. Fleck for years, and Nebraska generally once a game against Minnesota lets the tight end get out into the open on the play action and just absolutely torch them. So they, the, the great thing about some of these Big Ten left teams is they don't really disguise who they are. And so I think, you know, you're, you're going to have a good feel if you're Nebraska's coaching staff for what Minnesota's going to bring, and they're not really going to hide it. The question is, can you just defend that every time out? Can you do right. your job every time out? And Minnesota and Iowa and Illinois tend to win when teams like Nebraska fail to do their job three, four, or five times and just allow the big play or, you know, give up the big sack or whatever it is. Uh, so I, I think Minnesota is largely what we know of them, but there's individual pieces there that are as green, if not more green, than what 
are is going on in Nebraska. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of people, and rightfully so, look at Minnesota statistically uh, in in previous years been a stout defense. They may very well be that this year, but I think people a lot of times may oh they're huge up front, right? It's that it's the Big Ten huge up front. Well, their strength is their secondary on defense. I mean, you look they got two All Big Ten players on the defense. It's a cornerback and a safety, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what they've got. It's not the defensive. It's not those sorts of things. And so it may not. It may be a stout defense, but maybe not in the way that you think it is. And that even makes me think more that Nebraska, man, Mike, for a, for a game that might be fairly close, uh, Nebraska is going to have a lot of rushing rushing carries in this game. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the, for a non blowout. The rushing, car- I just think for run the ball guy, I really think is going to enjoy this on Thursday. It should be a two and a half hour game. Like they, yeah. they might, you know, there's no more clock stops on the first down. Yeah. So this this could just fly if both of these teams. Run the ball 45, 50 times each. Yeah. Yep. Um, Gabe Irvin, uh, and I think pro- I think Ramir Johnson will probably be more, more involved than people think, too, with that whole thing. But I think it'll be an interesting third down back. I, I want to say under under the Panthers, Matt Rule kind of really utilized those guys on third down, yeah. uh, getting them the ball, getting them the ball through the air. So if that's what Ramir Johnson is, he could be a valuable player in a game like Minnesota where. You just let him get out of the backfield, and he gets a a beat on a guy, and he can make you know a big chunk play that way. Yep, yep, no doubt about it. Uh, weather should be good. Sounds like maybe a little breezy in Minnesota, but otherwise, otherwise good. Are you just zipping up and back, or do you get a chance to enjoy a little local cuisine or anything while you're down there? We're we're going up on Wednesday, uh, so we'll we'll hang out in the in the city uh, Wednesday night, and I've got uh, I've got. You know, I made a big push to go to uh, a Cuban breakfast place on Thursday morning. Uh, I think it's Victor's 1959, if anybody knows it. Wow. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, I've had it before and uh, pitched, it, pitched it to the committee, and it, it seems like they're giving the thumbs up on it. So. All right. Well, go get some plantains and black beans and some other things for breakfast. One of the, morning. Obviously, the first things I think of when I think of Minnesota, um, those sorts of things, Cuban breakfasts. Uh, well, don't worry. I'll make sure I find some cheese curds and apple sauce. Yeah, that's good. They, I think they serve walleye at the stadium, too, so you might be all right there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, Mike. We will uh, we'll talk to you from Minnesota on Thursday morning. Safe travels up there. Looking forward to uh, talking to you on game day and uh, looking forward to the Friday Oscar tailgate with you throughout the year. All right, sounds good. There you go, Good-bye Mike Schaefer. Week. Yep, Mike Schaefer of uh, Husker twenty four seven. On his way to Minnesota in two days. That's how close we are. Sixty nine degrees in the capital city. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, we've got uh, another person selected to make Fantasy Huskers pick. People who sent those keywords in get a chance to win a pick, essentially, in our draft. Caleb, who gets pick number two? The Jeremy says 27 points for Big Red at Minnesota. That means 27 and 19, both off the board. All right, if you want to predict how many points Nebraska is going to score for a chance to win our $50 prize pack, then you need to listen for those keywords tomorrow. They happen at 635, and they happen at 810, and it's really simple. All you got to do is text them into us at 402-479-1400. We'll pick one person from each group to make a pick in Fantasy Huskers. So you, gotta, you can do it twice a day, every day. 
And uh, hopefully you get a chance to make a pick, hopefully multiple picks uh, throughout Fantasy Huskers this season. So you get 50 bucks from Alumni Hall, 50 bucks from Valentino's if you win our fantasy draft every single week. It's a whole lot of fun and adds a little bit of uh, extra excitement to the game as well. All right. That is it for the show today. We are back here tomorrow. And uh, scheduled to have John Baylor joining us, Joe Jordan joining us as well. We're going to count down the five things that you are talking about today. I'm going to continue to get ready for Volleyball Day in Nebraska, which is coming up on Wednesday, and then Thursday for Nebraska football against Minnesota. And don't forget, programming note, Thursday will be your Friday Husker tailgate. Thursday will be that Friday Husker tailgate. And then your first chance to react, unless you're a really big night owl, (laughs) <laughs> if you're going to bed right after the game, your first chance to react and to hear reaction to Nebraska-Minnesota will be Friday morning right here starting at 6 a.m. And we'll, we'll have thoughts. See you tomorrow, 9 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln.